this is the further discussion episode with Gigi. So basically all I knew about Gigi prior to speaking with him was that he was someone that I connected with on Twitter and that he had these two great resources, 21lessons.com and bitcoin-resources.com. The latter is just an aggregation of all sorts of different resources around Bitcoin, books, articles, podcasts, etc. The former is his own writings about his education process through Bitcoin. Both are excellent resources if you want to learn more about Bitcoin. Even the OGs out there, there's very likely something contained therein that you might learn that you don't already know. I went through both of the, the resources extensively and I definitely picked up a few things that added to my understanding and the way I was looking at Bitcoin and, and this, in this space as a whole. So definitely check those resources out. In this conversation, we just shot the shit. Two people that are super into Bitcoin having a discussion. I really enjoyed it. We talked a lot about the narratives emerging around Bitcoin and speculated on the future and just a, a really fun chat with two people that are clearly passionate about this space. So that's it. I hope you enjoy. Let's do it. Yeah, sorry again for the technical difficulties. I'm usually I'm usually w uh, way like way more prepared. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but like a couple of hours ago, um, we had a fantasy football league going on with Matt Odell and Marty Band and Steph Oliveira. And I'm part of that. And I'm the only one who's in Europe. So um, I was up until like 4.30 or something. <laughs> no, I, d I didn't see that. So, like fantasy NFL? <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. So, you know, they all pick the time uh, where, where it's comfortable for them, of course. And sure. I just... I just stayed up until 4, 4 a.m. Uh, and now I just slept like, <laughs> I don't know, three, four hours. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to drag you out of bed uh, after only no, three, four no hours No, no worries sleep. at all. It, it's, 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 it's my own fault, you know, because, <laughs> uh, because I, I said yes to the fantasy football thing. Yeah. But I'm, I'm feeling good. So. All right, good. You got some coffee in you? Yeah, yeah. All right, good, good. Well, man, thanks for, for getting out of bed and taking the time to, to do this today. I um, obviously we connected recently on Twitter and, you know, I don't have to tell you this, but for anybody listening, you know, Bitcoin Twitter is such a amazing place. You know, so much goes on and there's there's so many people that you end up connecting with that share a lot of opinions, of course, but also attack things from different angles and have decided to kind of devote their obsession with Bitcoin down certain like, you know, productive means, let's say. And with you, yeah, I'll get you actually, I guess, before we get going with everything, just to introduce uh, yourself to the extent you want to. But more importantly, um, the, the, the couple of resources that you've developed in the space to help, you know, your, as a part of your contribution. Yeah, sure. Um, hmm. I, I'm not sure if there is too much to say about me. I'm, I'm just a, a regular Bitcoiner, if, if there's such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, I think I put myself on the map because I decided to write about basically what I've learned. Um, and this culminated in uh, 21lessons.com because I, I thought, why not? Uh, well, <laughs> I'll tell you the story on that because um, it's it's a good one, I think. I, I tried, all, all of this started when I tried to, to answer a tweet um, by, I think it was Arjun Balaji. I, I don't even, I'm not even sure if I have it. Uh, right from the top of my head, but um, someone, I think it was him, you know, tweeted, what have you learned from Bitcoin? And I was like, yeah, I can answer that. <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to, to answer in the tweet. And I just was not able to, you know, like, 
no, no matter how, what I tried, it, it always was at least like four or five tweets. And so I was like, hmm, it might be worth writing it down just for myself because I, I learned so much. And uh, yeah, I would say my, my life also changed so much because of um, falling down the Bitcoin rabbit hole that I just started writing about it. And I quickly realized that I even have to, will have to split up the article because it's just way too much. <laughs> yeah. And so I decided on, um, um, yeah, doing a series on that. And when I was done with the first one, which was the philosophical teachings of Bitcoin, um, I landed on seven things that I've learned, learned. And so it quickly came to my mind, I'll just do three of those and then I'll have 21. <laughs> and that's, that's the origin story of the 21 lessons. Right. And, and sorry, go ahead. Uh, and yeah, so while writing all this and um, the last couple of years, I, I, I really fell, yeah, fell down the rabbit hole quite deeply in a way. And I, I keep a list of all the things I read. I, I, I did it before I got into Bitcoin. Uh, and I also keep a list of all the books I read. So it was quite easy for me to gather all the resources that I've read in the last couple of years again. Yeah. And that's how I um, created BitcoinResources.com, which is basically my handpicked selection of articles and books and also podcasts and selected podcast episodes. And right. Like that. And it's very extensive. So, you know, if anybody out there is listening and they are looking for additional resources to learn more, I mean, that, that's definitely a good spot. You have books and articles and podcasts and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll um, always... Well, I, I try at least to update it periodically. So um, there's always good stuff coming out and I still have like 50 books to <laughs> to go through and I'll update the list or the, the resources um, yeah. as, I, as I get to it. But I also want to open it up quite soon. I mean, it, it is open source already, but it's not uh, not especially, like it's not exactly easy to contribute. <laughs> right. But I... Uh, um, I have something in mind where this might be more of a community-driven thing in, in the years to come. Cool. So, I mean, we, when we think about things like resources and how to learn more about Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff, it's at least part of it is because we want to, to supply the necessary materials for other people that are either looking for more information. And, and of course, I think I speak for all of us when I say a part of us is also putting it out there because we want people to kind of catch the virus. You know, it's, we, we want to make it super easy. Like, look at all these resources, whichever one appeals to you, just get started. And, we, you know, we kind of hope maybe you'll you'll start seeing the light, as it were. But before, you know, and I've got a ton of questions in that regard for you. But before I get into those, like, what was your aha or come to Jesus, come to Bitcoin moment three or four years ago, as you mentioned? Um, I, I had multiple, I think. Um, yeah. and uh, I, but was there one, well, so was there one where really it was like hook, hooked you, the, because, like hooked you the hardest? <laughs> I, I bought in like before I understood anything right. because I, I felt like I missed the boat a couple of times already. Yeah. Um, I, I had to touch base with Bitcoin like three or four times. Uh, and it's, <laughs> maybe it's because I'm a slow learner, but I got, I got introduced to it from a really weird angle. Uh, a friend of mine was um, building shitcoins in a way. He was building blockchain-based projects in like 2013, 2014. So that's when I, I first really heard of it. I, I've, I've heard of it before, but but not um, 
well, not. I, I've heard of it from from other friends, and the, but uh, mostly in relation to Silk Road and buying yeah. apps online and so on. But I, I never gave it as a more serious thought, and I also um, I bought a little bit um, just. Uh, I don't even know why. <laughs> I don't I, seriously. I don't even know why. You're like, yeah, I'll, I'll have some of the magic internet money. That's it. And um, my first real aha moment was, um, uh, yeah, shifting my perspective about proof of work. And I, I, I wrote about that at a, at a later point. Point like I wrote about that uh, some years later because I, I was in the same camp as as most people. I would say that her. Uh, that here of it first it's like you know it's it's really inefficient it quote unquote wastes a lot of resources stuff like that and understanding that in a better way um like understanding that uh, understanding proof of work at, at a, a deeper level was my first aha moment for sure i think mm -hmm. and well i guess now is a good time to ask we'll come back to some of the other stuff but what was your aha about proof of work well it's basically it's not energy wasted. It's energy put to very good use. Mm -hmm. And um, like understanding that, it, I <laughs> I had like two or three aha moments before for work alone, I think. But uh, it's... And like, probably many more to come. But. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. I, I think shifting your perspective on... Um, proof of work, first of all, it, it bridges the gap between the digital and the physical realm, like between the virtual world and the real world. And that's yeah. that's like a world first. Like it, we haven't seen anything like that before in a way. And that's that's the whole reason why the digital scarcity is possible in the first place. And um, it also seeing it like a protective layer around all transactions, you know, it's like a, a Fort Knox for everyone. Mm -hmm. And it has really, really thick walls. It's not it's not like you have to do that yourself. Like the, the base chain secures itself, and it's the same security guarantee for everyone. And um, it's also, you know, it's not black and white. Nobody has a clue how thick the walls need to be because we we can't really tell what is enough proof of work. You know, right. and all those kind of things. They were like, ah, okay, that's really interesting. It's just so 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 different than everything we had before, and it's also necessarily different because. Um, yeah, I mean, we're really good with taking care of our stuff in the physical world. I mean, <laughs> some are better than others, but right. we kind of know that we bury stuff and we build um, thick walls around it and so on. But in the in the digital realm, it's so so different, and we're really bad at uh, cybersecurity just in general. We're really really bad at that, and Bitcoin kind of solves that in an ingenious way. Um, like it, it sets up the incentives in a way that you don't want to attack it in the first place. But also, second of all, it just it has this immense feedback loop that where you just put on layers and layers and layers of security uh, without like most people don't even know what's going on really. You know, it's <laughs> they're, they're just mining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not like they are. Oh, I'll I'll secure all the past transactions because I'm such a good person. No, they're just <laughs> they're mining. That's that's the beauty of Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. I I think about that. You know, and I love just having having those kind of down the rabbit hole sessions with others, but also with myself, where I just start thinking about like proof of work or any other different elements of Bitcoin and really like extending it out as far as I can see. And of course, a lot of people got into Bitcoin just for 
Yeah, well, many reasons, but you know, let's say it was kind of the censorship-resistant sort of sound, free money, non-state money sort of thing. And what's interesting these days is it is it seems that the the pace at which new narratives around Bitcoin is accelerating. You know, like people are are sharing things on Twitter, and uh, I know you're familiar with uh, Brandon Brandon Quidham's uh, article on uh, you know kind of the structure being related to something like mycelium. And all these like, you know, all these people are just kind of sharing their thoughts on it. And at the end of the day, there's still there's nothing. It's not right or wrong. It's just interesting ways that people are extrapolating new narratives from Bitcoin. And of course, that's going to inspire people to actually try to make real a lot of those things. And it just seems like it. That's why people refer to it as a rabbit hole, right? Because it, you know, there's no, there's no end. It could keep kind of bifurcating off into these different branches where you see it in different lights, and that's part of the thing that makes it so interesting, but also so like obsession-inspiring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's endlessly fascinating, um, and I I love Brandon's work, and I just um, um, <laughs> I just had a very very long conversation uh, with him and also Guy Swan from the Crypto Economy podcast where yeah, I talked about yeah. uh, Bitcoin as a living organism and our thoughts on that. And it's it's really interesting because I, as I said on the uh, episode as well, I, I, think, I, I think that it's kind of true, but I think that even, you know, everyone tries to make sense of Bitcoin in their own way. Yeah. And it, it seems that it's all of that, but also more, you know, it is, it is digital gold and, you know, it is an unstoppable PayPal in a way mm-hmm. and it, it is internet money. And it, uh, I would even say it also is a new form of life and a living organism, but it's, it's, it's more than that as well. Mm-hmm. We don't really understand it yet. Like, uh, I would argue, um, that nobody really understands Bitcoin in a way, even if you are a core developer. I mean, uh, obviously there, there are levels of, of understanding, but um, I would argue that in the same way that, that uh, for example, the, the, the people working on, on Twitter, I, I don't think they, they really um, grasp the scope of what they built as well. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, yeah. it's in a way some systems and some things, they, the internet as well, like the early internet engineers, they, they, they knew what they were up to, and they knew what they were building, but you can't really foresee the second and third order effects of things. I mean, it's the same for cars, you know, like people that invented the combustion engine, they, they had no idea what they are doing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on now uh, in hindsight, sure. you know, um, our planet changed quite a bit just because of the invention of cars. I right. Mean, we have the road network and also, um, yeah, a lot of gases in the atmosphere that weren't there before. And uh, so I think it's, it's similar to Bitcoin, that it, it's just its its own thing. And everyone tries to understand what it is. And it's also evolving at such a fast rate because just new, really smart people are working on it. And new new inventions are coming out like on a weekly basis in a way. And now we have the Lightning Network, for example, and suddenly Bitcoin... Uh, suddenly Bitcoin can scale and suddenly it's, it, it, it is this payment rail as well, you know, on, on a second layer. And uh, it's, yeah, I think it's really interesting. As you said, it's, it's endlessly fascinating. Well, this is why I think what's happening on Twitter is so interesting and to a certain degree expected and to a certain degree essential is because, you know, like you said, nobody knows what this thing is. We all just kind of, it, it's like, 
you know, we see reflections of who we are and what we want to exist in the world in it, you know, and that's the, that's the nature of really, I don't know what the word to put on it, but really special or truthful or pure ideas or entities that we encounter and behold. I mean, we, they, they're so pure and truthful that they, they can reflect things that are inside of us, ideas or behaviors or, and obviously imbue us with those qualities as well. And we'll get into kind of the, the behavioral aspect of being involved in Bitcoin uh, in a few minutes. But it's, it's, I love what's going on, on on Bitcoin Twitter, let's say, because it's this smashing together of ideas and perspectives and narratives and stuff. And it's like a soup and we get to watch in real time which ones take hold. Like someone puts it, put someone puts out an article, someone does this, and you know a lot of them get rejected. Nah, I don't really see it. Nah, it's not that. It doesn't work that way. Blah blah blah. But then you know one emerges, and people are like, oh, holy shit! It it that that sounds true. There's there's definitely a grain of truth in there, and then it gets extrapolated out, and then it be, then it gets nestled in the minds of of all of us who who read or encounter that information and that narrative. And then it just fuels the fire of what this thing is and what it can be. And then it, it intensifies the fire that exists in all of us who are engaging in it. I mean, it's, it's fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Um, I, I, I tried to, to write about it in a, in a more precise uh, manner. And I came up with the idea of this, this idea value generating feedback loop. So in, in a way it, it, it all started with Satoshi's idea and, um, you, you, you have an idea, you write a software, you run the software on the node, and the node connects if everything works out with other nodes. And so you have this network, and the network generates value. And then the value, it feeds back into your idea, like it, it, um, it, it manifests itself with, with this loop. And all the components, they, they influence each other, because as the network grows, you will have to... You will have to adjust your ideas even, you know? I mean, Andreas Antonopoulos, for example, he talked in the early days all the time how, how Bitcoin is like the transactions are free. And that's just not true at all. You know, we had to adjust this narrative and we had to adjust our ideas of it because nothing in life is free. And, uh, like you, you, will, you will need to have some transaction costs on, uh, at least on the settlement layer. And uh, I, I think it's exactly right what you said, that everyone sees it differently and that it reflects... Um, in a way, who you are and what your experiences are. And as you say, <laughs> the, the soup on Twitter, <laughs> the toxic soup, on <laughs> the, it, it shows it really well, I think, because you, you have um, you've also uh, finance Twitter. Like, you have so many people that come in from finance. And what, what is Bitcoin for you if you have a finance background? I mean, it even depends on your finance background, but it, it, it most definitely is an asset. It might be an investment vehicle might be a, a risk on risk off asset however you want to see it yeah uh, we also have uh, a lot of people from the tech world coming in and uh, i mean I, I would even say there are not too many tech people in bitcoin you you, you have you need to have uh, some sort of um cypherpunk um and a, a very idealistic tech background in a way i think that, that bitcoin is really interesting to you a lot of tech people they they flock to other projects i would say because they think that the tech is more interesting there and that was a, a hang-up for me as well because i come from the tech world I'm a, I'm a software engineer by training and i've been a software engineer for the last years or so and uh, for me it was really hard to wrap my head around bitcoin in that sense that it's it's not it's it's not really about the tech you know it's money 
it's it's about the money and it's about the economy will win because of economic realities. The technology is just one tiny part of that. It just has to work and be secure enough. Yeah. But the rest of it is way more important. And that's what I think a lot of the Ethereum people, for example, are missing. It's 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 really, you know, building the fancy bells, bells and whistles around it. All, all of that isn't that important, I would say, and that will come later anyway. And I think it, you can see it very clearly on, on Twitter, depending on, on the background of people. You also have, for example, people that work in human rights, and then the censorship resistant uh, aspect of Twitter is the most important one, and it can empower people in that way that transactions that would have been impossible otherwise are now possible because of Bitcoin. And uh, I think it's uh, it's perfect what you said. What you said it reflects who you are back to you. Yeah, and this actually relates to an article that you wrote about the gravity uh, of, of Bitcoin because, mm -hmm. and in that article, correct me if I'm wrong, but just summarizing, you were kind of saying that Bitcoin's gravity, like it affects it, a, a certain amount, let's say if you're coming from the finance side of things, a certain amount if you're coming from the NGO and you know difficulty of cross-border payments and that side of thing, it affects you differently if you're, you know, there's all these different like, categories of people or interests or pockets of society and the gravity of bitcoin is seemingly pulling them all in but at different rates at different speeds at different orders you know some some before others and i liked how the article kind of you know sh showed that that it's it's going to end up affecting the gravitational pull is going to end up affecting everybody in in at least some aspect of their lives very powerfully but it's just a matter of which ones are, you know, which ones get pulled on first. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's also the reason why it's so extremely difficult to have an elevator pitch for Bitcoin. <laughs> because, because people understand different aspects of it. And depending on, on where you are in your journey, you might have to, as I did, for example, I had to catch up on uh, economics in a big way. Like I had no idea what money is. I had no idea about economics at all. I had no idea about money or the, or the history of money. Yeah. And you kind of have to learn that to, to really understand Bitcoin. For other people, this just might be clear. I mean, if you have a background ground in Austrian economics or you, or you are a gold bug or you know uh, your mon monetary history, then then Bitcoin, you, you might not even go down the, the shitcoin hole. You, know? <laughs> you might, it might be clear for you, okay, it, it's, it, it just has um, these monetary properties, so it will win out in the end just like gold did. So I'll just get some Bitcoin and I'll just wait for this process to play itself out. On the other hand, if you have a tech background, for example, you might think, oh, yeah, you know, Bitcoin, it, oh, the, the, the base chain, 10 minutes, that's too slow, blah, 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 whatever. And you might... You know, you know, you you end up buying into thirty different shitcoins. Yeah, and it's it's so hard to explain to people. And it, again, it depends on where you come from. Because if you if you come from a country where where the currency isn't as strong as as the dollar, or the euro, or uh, the other large currencies, it, for someone who is uh, in Bolivia, for example, or in Venezuela, to pick the obvious example, Bitcoin intuitively makes sense, you know? Yeah. Like, the government can meddle with, with my money, sure. Like, it's, it's way, way better than what I have now. And then you understand that aspect of Bitcoin immediately. Yeah. 
I, I think what you said is is interesting because it's one of the questions. I mean, I ask it a lot to people uh, on the podcast, and I'll, I'll ask you a little bit later. But I also think about it myself a lot because, um, you know, whenever all of us like people that are obsessed with Bitcoin, we want to talk about it pretty much with everybody we encounter, right? And if we even like sniff that there's a an ounce of interest, we'll be like, you know, we'll open up the floodgates. But it's what, and the reason why we're so interested in, in how people frame it when they're talking about it with people is because we're used to like having this uber obsession with it and then trying to articulate it and seeing that it doesn't really land. Uh, like you can see in the person's face that they're just like, you could say everything you know about it. And they're kind of like, yeah, but okay. So, so, so what? And so when you mentioned like the elevator pitch is kind of hard for Bitcoin, Maybe it's best to start like the next time those conversations happen or, or you're, you're trying to, quote unquote, pitch it. It's like, OK, what do you know about money? How do you feel yeah. about the government? How do you feel about like, you know, currencies in third world countries? How do you, you know what's your what's your understanding of technology? And just like kind of ask all those pre questions first and then be like, hmm, OK, I think I know where I'm going to start with this. And then, and then you go for it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's also uh, my approach in the real world. Like, um uh, I'm 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 currently somewhere where I I'll <laughs> if I if I would have to guess I'll, I'm probably the only Bitcoin I like have 500 mile radius. <laughs> no way. And, <laughs> yeah, and so <laughs> I I have these these kind of conversations a bunch. Um, like, uh, and I, I would even say you can't talk about Bitcoin without talking about Bitcoin because uh, um, I'm I'm in Austria currently and I'm also. Uh, born in Austria. I'm, I'm currently, I just recently moved, so I'm, <laughs> I'm somewhere new. But, uh, I was in Austria least, last I, summer. It's great. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 It's a lovely country, but you know, not, not too much going on in, in the Bitcoin world, I would say. You, you know, it, however, in, in Vienna, in downtown Vienna, there's a, a Satoshi Nakamoto store. Like you go yeah, in yeah, yeah. and you can buy like, you know, t-shirts and coffee mugs and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's a, a I mean, I, I, I'm a, I don't want to trash talk Austria because there, there are some things going on, but it's just a, a small country. Sure. Most of the interesting people are somewhere else. But anyway, even in Austria, if you talk to regular people, and I, I, I say even in Austria because I think it's a, you know, it's, it's a first world country and things are more or less working and so on. But everyone knows that, um, you know, the currency, it doesn't matter if you talk about the euro or the currencies were before, like no currency holds their value. Everything gets more expensive over time. Like mm. uh, most things get expensive over time, and uh, I think this is one of the best entry points, uh, at least to my experience. Because if you, especially if you talk to someone who is a little bit older, like if, if they are in their fifties or sixties, you just you, you know you can you can just say ah you know like ten years ago these x amount of euros bought you that and that and, and now it's like five times that. And, and they're like, yeah, it's so insane. But uh, everyone kind of knows that intuitively that the money we have is shit. Yeah. And I think that's a really good entry point. And uh, some people, they, most people, I would even say, they, they never, yeah, they, they never ask themselves these kind of questions. And I think it's paramount to understanding Bitcoin, for example, to understand why gold won out. Like why... Uh, <sighs> You know, in a way, most most shit coins, it's it feels to me like, oh, nice, yeah. Now we have this gold, okay, but you know, 
we have titanium here and titanium has better conductivity or whatever or right. a lower melting point and so we have to use that because it has a lower melting point like that's that's where most people in the shitcoin world are I feel yeah like. and people kind of know that gold is valuable and they i mean the the lore around gold is thousands of years old and you know, people spoke about gold like it was a living god, even, and it's it's you know the metal from heaven and all of that that uh, that lore around it, it. It doesn't come out of nowhere. There are really good reasons why gold won the currency war in terms of monetary metals. Yeah, and understanding why that is will help you understand why there will only be one thing, and also why Bitcoin will be the thing. Yeah, you know, people talk about the wealth transfer, <clears throat> excuse me, that Bitcoin, uh, you know, is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to stimulate. And you could look at it so many different ways, whether it's, you know, from the 1% to the, you know, the 99% or from regions of the world, you know, for people, there's people in Venezuela and uh, maybe Turkey and other places that are experiencing cur currency issues. I mean, they're just going to be motivated by necessity to look into other options sooner than people that use the euro, the US dollar, Canadian dollar, whatever. But it's also, you know, a, a wealth transfer to the curious, you know, because a lot of people, you know, they even wear gold jewelry, but they have no idea why they wear it. They just, you know, it's, it's one of those de facto cultural things that you just get the download and you never question. And so all those, you know, I, and I love it because I mean, I love curious people. I love having conversations with them. But, you know, that's another one of the wealth transfers to the people that ask why. And that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I love what you just said. The, the wealth transfer to the curious. I think that's, 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 really, that's, really, th <laughs> that's really something. Yeah. And uh, what you said about gold as well. I mean, <laughs> you know, you've even, for God's sakes, you've even Peter Schiff who, <laughs> who has it. You know, it, it's the other way around. People wear gold jewelry because gold is valuable. Yeah. It's not like, you, you know, Peter Schiff with his couplings, it's like, that's it, not the reason why we have gold and gold is money in the first yeah. place. It's not like, oh, it's so pretty and that's why people wear it. No, man. No. <laughs> it's the other way around. Yeah, it's, it has value. Yeah, exactly. you, if you run around with a gold necklace, in, in your small little tribe, then everyone knows that, that you're the boss because, you know, you, if you could, you just could come up to me and rip the necklace off, off my neck, but you can't because, you know, I'm so powerful and so influential that I can't do that. Yeah. And uh, it just drives me, drives me insane <laughs> that people that, you know, are in the gold business or are investors or have been investors for the last 30, 40 years or whatever, uh, they, they just have it backwards. It's, it's insane. Yeah, man, I... You know, I've seen the funny because I have been following Peter Schiff for many years prior to 2008. Um, and so at that time, you know, I was totally on board, you know, because Bitcoin wasn't around and, you know, everything looked like it was going to melt. So I was like, yeah, Peter, you're damn right. You know, gold and silver. Giddy up. Let's do this. And uh, and but, you know, his his narrative has never changed. And at the last decade, minus, you know, the last few months has been fucking horrible for precious yeah. metals pretty much especially when you compare it to bitcoin and you know he's just so stuck in the in the mud with this i mean yeah it's yeah he, the, he's just doubling down and doubling yeah exactly down and, and like down. maybe and he, he even he even said that he missed the boat that's that's right. pretty much the reason why he is against it and everyone you know 
like Trace Mayer said the, th the same thing when uh, when Bitcoin was trading below a dollar. He, yeah. he was like, like his, his first purchase as well, like, I don't know, 20 cents or I, I don't know what. And he's like, I missed the boat. Yeah, the, um, the 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 Peter Schiff debates. I'm, I, it's almost like a you know a train wreck. That's why you watch them. You, like I, I I despise his style. Like I'd re I'd really love to have a debate with him someday because I just hate how he talks over people. He doesn't address any of the points made by the people he's debating, and then he just says the same old shit. Like like you said, it's it's frustrating. Um, but at the end of the day, we don't have to care, right? I mean, we watch it. It's entertainment more so than, yeah, and I don't know why, why we want him to come around so much. I mean, like, who cares? I mean, as everyone always says, Bitcoin's going to do its thing no matter what. Honey Badger don't care. It's just, you know, so, you know, why do we care if, if a certain person gets on board now or 10 years <laughs> from now? You know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I personally don't care. I'm not sure if, if a lot of other people care. I think I think what people uh, kind of want to see is how how people change their mind on yes, things. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah and right. uh, I think uh, for for a lot of gold bucks that that would be nice to see that it's like you know I, I I'm um, the the question I'm asking myself is. Uh, it, I mean, we, we will get into the weeds here, but go for it. The, the, the reason why uh, gold, uh, like one of the main reasons why gold is so cool as a money is that it's basically indestructible. And so whatever you pull out of the ground, it will, it, it will stay above ground. You know, you, you, you can't destroy it. So that's, that's the main reason behind uh the stock to flow ratio of gold, which just means since you cannot destroy it, the stockpiles, they, they piled up over the last thousands of years and yeah. the stockpile doesn't get reduced. And since gold is scarce just by, by natural law, just because of physics, you can't really, like we, we can pull a little bit more gold out of the ground if we really if we really try it but still it's kind of limited and since it's indestructible the stockpiles we already have are so enormous that it, it doesn't matter how much new stuff comes in it's it doesn't make it end really and, and that's the main reason why gold has has so much value because of, of this stock to flow ratio and if you read the bitcoin standard by safety it goes into great detail in this regard and um what what i think will be interesting to see is that Bitcoin has way better properties than gold even, but with one difference, that you can destroy Bitcoin. And arguably, that's even good because it will have <laughs> even a higher stock to flow ratio. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I, I think um, that's something that we will have to see how it plays out over the next couple of hundred years. That's, that's what I'm uh, thinking I've been talking about. The next couple of years, I mean, we, we will be mining Bitcoin for still quite a long time until 2140. And so for me, it's still early days. And I, uh, to, to loop it back to Peter Schiff, I think that's also what Peter Schiff and many other people that are still of the opinion that they missed the boat, they don't see that. They don't see how early we still are. I, yeah. I, I think, I mean, it's, it's obvious to me that it's like exponential S curves one after the other, like all the adoption waves, they, they come in exponential curves. Mm -hmm. But I, I think in the very grand scheme of things, we're still before the need in terms of um, Bitcoin adoption. Like if you zoom out really far, 
it will also be a very, very big exponential S-curve. And this is how hyper-decronization will look like. And it will only, it will only level off again um, when it's just used as the global money everywhere. And so much more, you know, yeah, I mean, the money is Bitcoin's killer app right now, right? And, every, and yeah. everybody that's in it gets that. But like we were saying about the narratives before, like that, that smashing together of narratives is not going to stop. It's only going to accelerate as more people and more minds get, you know, connected to the network. And that's going to change entirely how we view it. I mean, It'll, it'll change entirely how we view it five years from now, let alone 50 years from now. I mean, yeah. we really can't imagine what Bitcoin is going to, quote unquote, be uh, like dominant narratives that around Bitcoin in that period of time. And so to right now, and I, I tweeted about this today, actually, I said, you know, because you just brought up the scarcity component. Yes. Like what happens when a large percentage of the global population wants something that is infinitely scarce? I mean, obviously. Yeah. You know, the price has to adjust dramatically higher. But I, I, what I said is I think even the most outlandish estimates are going to be comedically uh, low. And because, yeah. you know, right now, you know, people that are really like 100 trillion Bitcoin market cap people are like, well, take global real estate and global, you know, investments and bonds and money supply and all and smash it all together. But I think back to like 94, 95 Internet. And if you had said then like, what will the value of the internet be? You'd say like, okay, well, let's take the newspapers and let's take the TV stations and let's take, you know, a couple you know, other information, uh, you know, media sources. And you say, okay, put together, oh, like global value of 100 billion, 200 billion. And that would be yeah. so narrow in terms of what the internet is today. Uh, and so I think the same thing is going to happen. Like we're looking at it in terms of, what are the, all the kind of assets that Bitcoin is going to disrupt or replace or be a better alternative for or whatever? But I think all those narratives that we're not even currently considering are going to just have another offshoot, another balloon to, of, of value to add to Bitcoin's market cap. So if someone thinks it's 100 trillion, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's far greater than that. So I think we'll look back and, you know, to the, the point you were mentioning about people thinking they missed out. You know, when the last Bitcoin is mined, or let, let's say when, uh, like, there's going to be periods where the, the number of Bitcoin mined per year is less than one, right? Yeah. Less than one full Bitcoin. That's, yeah. that's correct, right? Yes. Yeah. So think about global economic value of, of one year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> presumably, unless we really like collapse and take a lot of steps backward, that's going to be a quite quite a big number. And that has to be like, and that's and the the Bitcoin that's issued, let's say, in that year, gonna, is going to have to encompass at least a portion of that. And so, yeah. the fact that you're saying you miss the boat now, when it's at let's ten thousand dollars at ten thousand three hundred at the time of this discussion. Again, I mean, I think it just shows an inability to zoom out and then maybe a bunch of other mental blocks that are that are happening. But I mean, yeah, and, and, I don't know. It just seems like we're, there's no way to sufficiently. It's hard to overstate how uh, important, impactful that this thing is going to be. Yeah, exa uh, exactly. Like, amen to that. And personally, I 
you know, as, as I said, I had a lot of catching up to do in terms of economics and other things. And I, I'm, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm still, I'm, I'm reading for like one to three hours every day and I'm, I'm still learning every day. So, uh, I'm nowhere near the end of the journey. And I, I had to come to grips with, um, yeah, with what you just said, that things are going to be so crazy we can't even imagine. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, people like Bitcoin Tina, for example, I, I believe that they are closest to the truth. You know, like the extreme, insane hyperbolts, <laughs> they are closest to what's uh, going to happen. When, will it, when it's going to happen, like I think nobody can really say. But uh, as you said, the, the only thing that can adjust is the price and it has to be dramatically higher. And it will be so dramatic because we, will, we have never seen absolute scarcity, just like you said, you know, yeah. like it, we, we never had something where no matter how much money you have, there will, be, there will be a point in time where you can't even afford one Bitcoin, no matter what you do. Sure. You know, like it, it, it's so extremely scarce. If, if you're a, a, a multimillionaire, it, it won't matter. If, you, if you're really late to the game, you, you just won't be able to afford it. The price will be so, so insanely high. And I, I think it's also really hard to talk about fu any future market cap because we have to use, um, as currently we value it everything in, in dollars. And once the dollar collapses and the euro collapses and other fiat currencies collapse, then it will be really hard to price things in dollars. I mean, we can fall back to gold and uh, see how, how Bitcoin is priced in terms of gold. And I think we will necessarily have to do that over uh, any meaningful period of time, like if we look long enough into the future. But I think the, the buying power of one Bitcoin will just be insane. Like, you know, there's, I think there's more millionaires in, uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I forgot the statistics on that, <laughs> but <laughs> there's, there's not enough. Uh, Bitcoin for every millionaire on earth. I think I think something along those lines. Yeah, I, I think might, might I think be in America. I think there's more than than 21 million uh, millionaires in the world. So yeah, I think I think that where that's uh, yeah. where that's coming from. And yeah, it's insane to think about, and it's it's kind of you know, it 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 reminds me, it it reminds me a bit also about um, people that saw the potential of Moore's law very early on. Like there were some people where the computers were the size of like really big houses <laughs> and they were, or even before that, you know, like Ada Lovelace and uh, other very, very, very early computer people that were building computers with uh, pen and paper. They were talking about computers that talk back to you and they were talking about um, you know, also machines that can think like Alan Turing famously wrote papers on that. And all of that stems from a very basic understanding of fundamentals and extra, like uh, extrapolating the exponential trend into the future. And it's, uh, and we see all of that happening right now. I mean, you have apps on your phone you can speak to. They, they're not perfect yet, but you can have conversations with a computer. Like, no problem. A computer can understand you when you talk to it it can also talk back we have facial recognition that's superhuman and so on and so forth and all of that is just based on on the yeah on the same fundamentals that were in ex existence 
since the beginning of computers. And I think we will have a, a, a similar trend in Bitcoin where people just understand the fundamentals and can extrapolate into the future. And uh, people like Pierre Rochard and Michael Goldstein, they talk about hyper-Bitcoinization. And I think that's exactly what will happen. Mm -hmm. Just like that's exactly what happened in, in the information technology world and with computers. Uh, all, of, all of that stuff happened. I mean, we are having a, a conversation over a worldwide global network right now in real time. We've never seen each other and we've never met before and we're talking to each other right now. And people talked about that in the, you know, 50s and 60s, even earlier and uh, like way earlier. <laughs> and uh, now it's reality. And I think the same will happen um, yeah, with what we are talking about right now, I think, yeah, it just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so exciting to be here and now, like, and in, in, in involved in some capacity, even if only as an observer in in what's going on. Because, like, like you just articulated, like a lot of us think, like, if we're right, and this is what we think it is and can be, then, well, as Trace Mayer and many other have have repeated. A, this could be a once in a species event, you know, and let that sink yeah. in for a moment. Like, really, you're alive during the time of a like super significant once in a species event. I mean, I, I often think like if you're not obsessed with Bitcoin, you don't you don't understand Bitcoin. You know, and that's I think a lot of <laughs> yeah. us like maximalists and people that are really into Bitcoin think that way because we're just like, how the fuck can you not be crazy interested in this thing? Like it is like. You know, we're pulling our hair out daily just thinking about it all. And it's it's so funny that, you know, a large portion of the population growing ever, ever smaller, granted, you know, Bitcoin's doing its thing and sucking people in on a daily basis. But, you know, just to know that there's just a lot of normies still out there that just, you know, it hasn't <laughs> it hasn't entered their world in a, in a significant way yet. You know, but yeah, but they're a reflection of us, too. Like you said, you needed three or four touches before you really got sucked into the gravity and went down the rabbit hole. I was the same way, you know, like I was interested, intrigued, you know, picked up a little, but I wasn't obsessed until, you know, I don't know, I get more obsessed all the time, actually. So on a daily yeah. basis, I'm like, holy shit, it's getting even more intense, you know? Yeah, yeah, same here. Like I, I, I sometimes say that uh, I'm, I'm so bullish. It's un unhealthy. Sundays, you know? it's like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just excited 24 seven. I wake up excited. I go to bed excited and, and exhausted. Well, you know what? Let's, uh, let's, let's change the angle a bit actually, because I, I, you know, I'm exactly the same way. And I think a lot of people listening that are involved, uh, probably feel the same way. And a lot is made of, of Bitcoin's, uh, you know, ability to change behavior. And I, I want to break into that, but I, just on the basis of what you just said, I mean, we've all probably been in, in situations in our lives and our careers where we woke up, we went to bed late, you know, woke up, low energy, kind of like big exhale that you got to go and do whatever the fuck your, your job is. And we're like, man, this fucking sucks. And you go to work and you just get through the day and then you go have some beers afterwards and you do whatever you got to do to get by. But you're not, you know, you're not really stimulated and there's a good case to be made for being depressed as a result of the situation you're in right mm -hmm. um and the fact that this thing is a like like you just said you, you wake up you're excited to learn more to engage in it to you know all that kind of stuff and i feel the same way and i was thinking you know i've, I've been in tandem with my interest in big actually way before it you know psychedelics have always been a, a big interest for me and i've taken it very mm -hmm. seriously and learned a lot and spoke to a lot of people and stuff like that 
uh, interview people. And, um, you know, right, there's been a renaissance over the last 20 years. Uh, mm -hmm. And now, you know, the, the, the early results, I think they're going into phase three trials for a lot of this stuff now. But for something like psilocybin, let's say, which is the active ingredient yeah. in, in mushrooms, um, you know, amazing results for treatment-resistant depression, for anxiety, for post-traumatic mm -hmm. uh, stress disorder, like those big, serious things that affect a lot, a lot of people. And I was, you know, yesterday I was cleaning the dishes or something, and I was like, man, you know, I almost felt like bring it up. Uh, you know, Bill Richards is one of the, the researchers at Johns Hopkins that I've interviewed before. I almost felt like ringing up Bill and being like, Bill, look, psilocybin and the, and the, the therapy that's, that's attached to it in the protocol that they've been studying is amazing for reintegrating the past, right? Like getting, you know, mm -hmm. seeing your past in a different light and being able to take something positive from it and being more present here and now, kind of having a more positive out or, you know, appreciating having gratitude in the present. I was like, you know what you need to add to that protocol? Just throw Bitcoin in the mix. Like after you, after you, after they have the, the psychedelic therapy and then they have the psychotherapy, just do like a one hour introductory slideshow or something to Bitcoin because I think it can, or not I think, it is that thing that causes you to see the future with through a brighter lens. Like everybody who's involved in it has that, like to varying degrees, of course, but I think it's it's hard to argue that people that are in the space and that are excited about Bitcoin, it hasn't, it hasn't increased or improved the way at which they per perceive the future and their, and their role in it. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I think that's true for a lot of people and it's true for me as well. Um, like, uh, I, um, in a way I've never been more hopeful about the future and, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I would call myself an optimist necessarily by nature. I was really, I, I think before I, um, fell down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, I, I just thought that we're pretty much fucked anyway. Sure, me too. <laughs> and, uh, and there's not much you can do, do about it. And this leads also, I think it, it naturally leads to a very hedonistic lifestyle as well, because why, if you're, if we're fucked anyway, why not enjoy the ride? Right. Know, and, right. Uh, just have, have those beers. <laughs> yeah. And, and so on and so forth. And I, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's very, very true what you said. I think if you realize, um, what the potential of this technology is, and also if you adopt it personally in your life, I think it just changes you quite drastically. And I would also say, almost immediately if you understand it properly, because, um, you like, you have to take on so much personal responsibility to be your own bank, as they say. And you also need to adopt the personal responsibility to really understand what you got yourself into. And you need to take care of, yeah, your, your security measures, for example, you need to take care, you, you just take care of your wealth in sets by yourself. Like you, you, you do everything yourself if you can. And I think that that changes you drastically. And um, the fact also that you, you will learn about the history of money and you will learn about the current system, for example, that I think that's what changed me a lot as well. I learned how the current system works and how, how the financial system works and also the ills of it. And it, it kind of changes you in the way I think that now, 
now like realizing that there is a a way out you you kind of get disillusioned with a lot of things that you just took for granted before and i think that's also related to <laughs> to the carnivore diets of the maximalists <laughs> because uh, as Seyfedin also talks about it's like we have fiat money and we also have fiat food and to an extent I think it's true you know it's it's just you we don't really you know we, we didn't have good money for quite a long time now. and you could make an argument that, that similar things are happening for food and also architecture sure. and art and so on sure. and uh, I think all of that changes you very drastically. But to 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 sum it up, maybe I think what what Bitcoin changed most for me is just my time preference. And mm -hmm. you, as you said, you, you you suddenly you you start to really be hopeful for the future, plan into the future, and you kind of realize, okay, I maybe if you're lucky, you have a, a small stash of of Bitcoin or some some satoshis and uh, as you said, we're just observers, just watching that play out. And if, you, if you're smart about it, you might, you know, that might be your pension or the pension of your kids <laughs> or any future generations. Yeah. And if you, if you play it smart and you don't uh, get scammed out of your Bitcoins, then um, yeah, I think a bright future will lie ahead for you. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I just, this is just... This kind of narrative of how Bitcoin changes your behavior, it's not brand new, of course, but I think it's starting to filter out through more and more people. And people are, you know, like we talked earlier about the narratives around Bitcoin, like this is one that's really gaining steam. And I think before too long, it's going to be one that's actually like talked about yeah. in media also, like yeah. when, when people aren't just going to be saying Bitcoin is dead or the price of Bitcoin is this, like <laughs> this is going to be a story at some point in the not too distant future about how and I, th I think it's a sign of our times, you know, and I, I'm a perfect example of this, too. You know, I, you know, when I was 20 years old, let's say 2005, six, seven, uh, I was like, yeah, everything is totally fucked. Like, there's no there's no there's no way this is getting turned around. But I took it upon myself to, like, you know, be happy and 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 find my way regardless. And sometimes I was successful at that other times I wasn't, you know, the, the journey of life. But I think that, you know. This thing being here now, just not, you're always going to be responsible for your own happiness, but it's really nice to have this thing that's like your buddy along the way, like that you can kind of like lean on a little bit for support and to pull you through and to be like, okay, now I don't just have to kind of like muddle through regardless. Now, like, now it matters what, like, now it, there's actual hope. There's actual hope now. And, you know, that's why so many people are motivated, I think, to get involved in this thing, because they want to actualize that to the extent that it's possible. They want to be like, I don't just want to sit back and like hope it works out. This has some real potential for a better world. And I feel like it's almost my duty to get involved in some capacity. Yeah. And you have the added benefit that like I again, I think Bitcoin is bigger than us and it, it, it doesn't really need us. But still, if you like you're incentivized to help Bitcoin along the way if you can, like right. in, in, in whatever. Well, that's the beautiful thing. <laughs> no. And yeah, and, and it's, it's so beautiful because uh, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of people are in it because they see this potential and they see also the potential for something like a second renaissance happening. Right? And, 
um, like if you if you study your history, you will see that the Belle Epoque, like the um, the point in time where most of the world was um, using a gold standard, it, it was one of the the best times in the world in terms of prosperity, in terms of art, in terms of culture, in terms of innovation, and so on. And a, a lot of people uh, are convinced that the adoption of the Bitcoin standard will have similar effects. But additionally to that. Uh, since we're still early and you got in early, you're also in incentivized um, just selfishly to do that. So <laughs> sure. it's really beautiful. You kind of, you know, you, you you realize that there is hope for, for a better world, so to speak, and you, you want to do what you can to bring this better world about. But you were also motivated for selfish reasons because, of course, the value of your stash will grow alongside with it. Right. And I think it's just uh, another example where the incentives of Bitcoin work out beautifully and you don't need to have any central, let's say, development team or marketing team or whatever have you. Uh, and, and it still works out beautifully. It just grows organically and you have now, you know, um, yeah, just people all around the world rooting for, for Bitcoin because of those two interests, like one, one interest to make the world a better place, <laughs> to use the phrase, and uh, one interest to, yeah, for selfish reasons in a way. Sure. And I, I really think that we, yeah, we, we can see that right now. It's, it's almost like the modern Renaissance man, people that uh, work on things, work on projects that will take years to to build out fully and also people that just, you know, they, they quit their jobs and uh, just uh, proselytize for Bitcoin full time, like Andreas does, for example, uh, uh, and, and many other people, you know, they, they just see that's, that's what I want to do with my life. And I want to help people understand how big this thing is and uh, to touch back on, on something that, that you said before, it, it just, will grow and uh, uh, yeah, the gravity will grow and it will eat up more and more value. And uh, what most quote-unquote regular people don't get is that money is such a huge, essential, big thing, you know, like as they say, money is the, uh, is the one half of every transaction. And it just, it, it rules our lives every day without us directly seeing it. And empires rise and fall because of, of money and whole civilizations crumble because there's something wrong with the money. Yeah. And once you have sound money, like the, the soundest money we ever had, one can only imagine how prosperous the world will be. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, when I think of, you know, I've been thinking about this for many years, but, and I'm, I'm not religious, um, but, you know, my opinion, well, let's just say this. I think the real religion in the world is money. I don't care if you're a Muslim or a Christian or, or whatever. I think that's more virtue signaling than anything else. The thing that really dictates people's behavior. That's what you got to look at. Who gives a fuck what people say? What dictates their behavior? It's money. Money is the religion of the world and it always has been. Um, and when you look at the and so the quality and the form of that money is obviously going to inform that religion and the behavior that stems from it tremendously. And like you just said, you know, I can't wait until our religion, i.e. the money that most of us use, is something that is so truthful and so pure and so well designed to both serve the people that engage with it and the larger network. And like, 
you, you, like as you said before, the selfish benefits would be derived from it. But in seeking your selfish benefit, you actually, you know, contribute positively to the network as a whole. Like it when when that becomes our our quote unquote religion, um, like de facto. I'm not saying that you know necessarily people are gonna you know worship Bitcoin in a cathedral or anything I'm, like that. Although it might might happen. I'm I'm for it because it would be good for taxes as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, once once that happens, uh, you know, again, that behavior change that, that we're talking about, I mean, it's going to be so evident then, but I just think it's going to direct a lot like more, a lot better behavior just de facto without having to be taught or instructed or blah, anything uh, as a result yeah. of being that dominant, you know, uh, money in society. Yeah. I I I I think it's so funny to talk about it uh, through a religious lens, and I uh, I I'm wor I'm working on a draft. I'm not really working on it, but I have a draft where I write about Bitcoin through a religious um, lens. And oh man, it's super it apt. More it's super apt. Yeah, it is. You gotta it get that shit so out cool. there. And <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have to finish uh, the, the other series before that. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's it's so funny because uh, I, I know I know what you what you mean when you said that money is the religion of the world. I, I kind of agree; it, it dictates human behavior in a very uh, big way. But on the other hand, there there are definitely things like there are definitely religious people that don't care about money at all, and their behavior is not driven by that, but just by. It's not many, not many, man. Yeah, not, not many. There are not many, but 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 there are now some in Bitcoin as well. And we have we have plenty of people like uh, holders of last resort that are willing to go down with the ship. You know, like they're they're millionaires now, like Bitcoin millionaires. And and um, I I I believe this to be true. They are so convinced of this that they are willing to write it down to zero if it would have ever happen. I think it will never happen because there are just way too many people that right. buy everything if it ever approaches zero. Yeah. But still, just like American Hodler, I listened to, to the episode you did with him. He, he's, <laughs> it's an awesome dude. And he's one of those guys, you know, he, 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 he said he's willing to risk it all. He's willing to just, how, how, can, you, how can you stop someone like him? Yeah. And you, you basically can't, you know, it's like a religious fanatic. You just, you, 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 can't, you can't stop those people. I, I, I totally it, agree. level of conviction. I totally agree. <laughs> and, yeah, to and the, convic the conviction is amazing and something that, you know, so many of us in this space share, at least to, to, to varying degrees. But it's not it's not a perfect analogy to like your Buddhist monk who survives on like, you know, rice donated from the community because, you know, the, it, although they're very convicted and they're willing to go down with the ship, They've decided that the probability and the, the, the bet they're making is that it's going to make them fucking rich as, as shit, right? So, like, it's a, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say they don't care about money. I would just say they realize yeah, that 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 this thing succeeding is worth their personal like financial ruin. You know, and I think yep. I think we yeah, all yeah, all feel that way. And, and and again, to to the religious analogy, we're willing to sacrifice ourselves for this thing. Oh yeah, for sure. you know, we're we're yeah. willing to you know. Most of us have the majority, the better portion of our, you know, net worth, let's say, in this stuff, and we're all willing to sacrifice that to, yeah, to sure. just for this to have a chance to survive. And that, like, I again, think, what's more religious than sacrifice? So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think I think that goes hand in hand with just how Bitcoin changes your time preference, because, um, like, the lower your time preference, the more you're willing to sacrifice the present for the future. And I think. That 
that's what we're seeing all around. I mean, people are, are quitting very well-paying jobs and just risking everything just to be able to get into Bitcoin full-time and uh, just work for a better future and sacrifice um, what you have now and the present and maybe even the, the next couple of months or years to just yeah build a better future for yourself and others. Yeah. And to to uh, one more comment on the religious aspect, I, I I think it's spot on what you said. But I think Bitcoin changes you in so many ways. And what what you said before that you, you kind of want to talk to everyone about it, and you want to just <laughs> talk to normal people and just tell them this amazing thing you found. And I think there is a Zen analogy there as well, because I I, I believe that the longer you are in, in Bitcoin, at one point in time, I'm I'm very close to that point. I would say. You just don't care at all and you're pure Zen and it will just happen by yourself and you, you won't be interested in discussing those things uh, with quote-unquote normal people. Yeah. And I've, I've heard uh, core developers, for example, talk about it. Like they, they don't even try anymore. They don't even try to explain Bitcoin to regular people. They just <laughs> stick in their bubble and just discuss the things there because it's, you know, it's, it's like uh, very religious people. They probably, they, they don't like... Uh, enlightened people to use that language. <laughs> they they don't walk around and, and right. lives, you know. Right. They don't try to convert people. They just, uh, as you said, a, a Buddhist monk. He just sits around all day and meditates, and that's it. And the world will unfold. <laughs> right. Just be the change you want to see, and that your your, yeah, your exactly. example will be you will be a shining <laughs> example to others. And and, and I, I I get it, and I share like that sentiment, not only because it's frustrating when you try to have the conversations with people and it doesn't really like, it doesn't, it doesn't really land, but yeah, I, I th and I think that's a, a great approach. You feel good and calm and you kind of know what's going to happen. And then you just let everything unfold as it will. And like you, like you said a little while back, like Bitcoin doesn't care. It's going to do its thing yeah. either way. However, you do like, you know, it's one, I'll relate it back again to, to my initial kind of feelings around psychedelics. And it's funny, actually, because that's the approach I've, I've taken with psychedelics is I've, you know, when I first had that quintessential mystical experience, I wanted to like run out and like, I was, you know, why isn't this on the front paper of every newspaper? Like everybody needs to know that this experience is available. But you come off as that like, you know, crazy religious person running down from the mountain saying he just, you know, received the Ten Commandments, you know, and nobody wants to be in that position and you discredit yourself anyways. Uh, so I ended up, you know, being very Zen about it and just doing my thing. And if people asked me questions, I'd answer them. Otherwise, you know, I, I didn't force it on anybody. It, the only way I, I did, and this is the same uh, with Bitcoin, actually, is part of me just needs to have those conversations. Like, I don't need to convince people, but for my own intellectual curiosity, masturbation, and whatever you want to call it, like, <laughs> I, I need to... I need to have these type of discussions that we're having right now because I like them so much. I enjoy them so much. And yeah, I'm, I'm less happy without them. And so that's why yeah. actually, you know, a few years ago, I started doing interviews around Bitcoin and psychedelics because those two areas, I was like, this, <laughs> these two things are too big for me not to get my rocks off every now and then and talk about it. And so yeah. that's actually the genesis of, of this podcast, too. It's like, you know, I, nobody wants to spend all their time arguing with, with people and going around trying to convince people. But if I can use this as one, a platform to me have for, for a platform for me to have awesome conversations with people like yourself, then that's like the majority of my incentive. But then also anybody who like 
becomes interested, who the gravity starts pulling on, then maybe it's a resource that resonates with them and they get something from it too. And you know, yeah. that that's enough. Yeah, and I think it's also very important because it, it really helps to solidify your understanding because every conversation you will find right. uh, certain holes in your understanding and maybe there will be some arguments that you just can't make sense of or refute. And I think everyone goes through that process that way. And it's really, really interesting if you go back and read, um, read the treasure trove that is the Bitcoin talk forum. Like all the talking points that are currently had on Twitter have been had like <laughs> eight years ago, almost 10 years ago, you know, really? everything is there already. Like all the FUD you can think of is already there. <laughs> there's way less shit coinery, you know, there's almost no, no shit coinery in the, in the very uh, first periods, but everything else is there, you know, yeah. like uh, it won't scale and transaction fees and blah, 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 and energy consumption and inefficiency and so on and so forth. And People have been like, I think everyone is kind of making the same journey. Just some people were so early, they started the journey 10 years ago and they reached the Zen Buddhist right, state, right. like, you know, <laughs> six, seven years ago or so. And <laughs> they, I, I, I can guarantee you that, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think most people that, that reach this stage, they, they're just, you know, they're not arguing on Twitter most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, well, instead of like, you know, in kind of hip, like cool uh, villas around the world, instead of having like the heads of Buddhas and, you know, golden or wooden Buddha statues, going to be like Trace Mayer in your living room or some shit. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Citadel future. And I'm, I'm, I'm also looking forward to something approximating a Bitcoin religion. And I, I thought about that a lot lately because I, I think something like, you know, uh, oh man, that will sound so weird. But, Hit me. Know, I'm sleep deprived. And, <laughs> but still, <laughs> I think something like Bitcoin monks uh, will exist in, in the same way that monks, they, um, they, they basically sustain themselves by, by getting donations from the people. And yeah. uh, it's really hard to tell what kind of useful purpose in society they really have. I'm, I'm talking about Buddhist monks now mostly. If yeah. you, I mean, if you look at it from a Western, um, very rational perspective in a way. But I think that we will have uh, Bitcoin monks that are fully supported by the people and they will be core developers. And I think we have them now. We have, we have some people that are, that, uh, that are sole open source developers and they have Patreon accounts or what have you. And, and people just pay them pay them to do whatever they need to do and they do it. And I think we see that uh, also in the media landscape and people have um, listened and supported podcasts and other things. And yeah. I think we will see more and more of that. And in a way, the, the way I see it is that we have this, this religion, this cult, as many people say, and we have some people, let's call them the monks, and they are completely supported by the population of this virtual country. And they will do whatever it takes to, you know, <laughs> to, to, to bring this technology forward, to um, um, explain it to everyone and so on and so forth. I think, uh, I think it, it's already happening and it will continue to happen in the future. 100%. And I mean, just imagine like a cycle or two from now when, you know, so, uh, not that people are going to easily part with their Bitcoin, but, you know, when, a, when a, another kind of tranche of, wealthy people that think in this sort of way are created. I mean, just think about 
the different ways that they're going to be inspired and motivate to devote, delegate some of that, you know, excess wealth to different projects. I mean, I, I think, and, and, and I think that level of change impossible to predict right now, but I think it's going to be massive, not just what like Bitcoin does on its own and how it changes people, but how it, it increasingly empowers the people that align with it. And then what they will do with that power is just going to be like, I just think it's going to be yeah, awesome. Exactly. And I, I think, I think we're seeing it like it's happening already. That's, that's sure. what I, I also think is, is so insanely cool to see about uh, Bitcoin. Like everything is happening simultaneously all the time right in front of our eyes yeah well <laughs> and I, i've talked about that before like you know people talk about uh store of value and medium of, ex of exchange and unit of account and all of that is evolving and happening right now like shitcoin traders they use bitcoin as their unit of account a lot of people use it as store of value and there are some things you just you, you can't you have to buy with bitcoin so people use it as a medium of exchange and all of that is is happening just like you just have to open your eyes and see it and it's, it's evolving uh, simultaneously in parallel in a way yeah and i think what you said with companies getting on board uh, on board and supporting people and uh, just also supporting independent developers um it's happening already i mean we got we got square and they just opened the square right, uh, right. crypto division and uh as far as i know um the they have big plans and they are just trying to get the best developers in the space and uh, are just helping the ecosystem with Blockstream, with other people that are just paying core developers to work on whatever they think is, is best. It's so, like, I, mean, I, I it's love so, that. It's, it's awesome. so amazing. Yeah. And, uh, I think we, we saw that before. And I, I also think that's one of the reasons why Bitcoin uh, is set up to win in a way. Yeah. We, we saw that in the open source community, community as well. You know, like everyone laughed about Linux and free and Libre open source not too long ago, you know, but it won and it won because of fundamentals. And now Microsoft is switching to Linux in a way, you know, it's supporting at least Linux and, and they have big plans for like a more open, uh, open source future. And open source won because of fundamentals. And I'm, 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 I'm using the term open source loosely here. So if someone's listening, um, who is into free software, the proper term to use is actually free software. And some people say free and Libre open source software, which is just way too long to talk about. So that's what I mean when I say open source. And the, the background behind it is that the main idea is closed source software is bad because it comes and goes just like fiat money comes and goes. You know, if a country goes to shit, the fiat money will be gone. That's it. Gold, in a way, is like open source money because it's, it, it just will always be here and you can use it. You can, you can take it, use it as money and so, and so on. Bitcoin is, is the same. And free and Libre open source software is the same in that sense as well. It just doesn't die. You, know? you cannot close it up again. It's, it's just free to use for everyone and you can make of it what you will. So there is no company or no nation state that can die around this thing and then it will be gone. And, and that's, in my opinion, why, why I mean, there, there are many other reasons, but that's one of the main fundamental reasons why open source won in so many areas. Yeah. I mean, for God's sakes, like every Android phone has Linux below it, like the, the whole internet runs on Linux machines. And I think the whole financial system will run on Bitcoin. Yeah. It, it's just a matter of time. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's crystal clear that this will happen. How long it will take, I have no idea. Right. I think 
I think it will be quicker than most people think. <laughs> yeah, you know, you mentioned the square example, and I was thinking like, wow, you know, like that's another thing that that this network, this thing, this organism inspires is is altruism. But then, as you were saying, I was like, well, it's not complete altruism because you know they'll find a way, there'll there'll be a method for them to benefit from it. So maybe like maybe altruism isn't just selflessness. Maybe altru altruism is selfishness that's aligned with benefits of the benefit of the collective you know so it's it, like it's both you know yeah and if, i think that's ayn, ayn rand would agree with you on that right and so if that's the case and you know you know it's amazing that bitcoin inspires that and another great example are you familiar with mr pine mr pine no i don't think so okay so are you familiar with maps multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies no also not. okay so well just to give you a very brief uh, rundown but They've been studying, um, they've been leading the charge basically at funding research on uh, psychedelics for different medicine, for different, different illnesses, PTSD primarily and depression um, since 1985. Um, and, you know, uh, Rick, uh, Rick uh, Doblin is the, the founder. And uh, I actually had the opportunity to interview him too. Amazing man, lovely. I mean, just been working so hard to, to get to keep pushing this research forward for the last 30 years. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, but anyway, so um, they've been chipping away and obviously in the last 20 years been met with more and more success. And they've also been doing work with um, with the MDMA. And so as a result of their work, it looks like in 2021, MDMA is going to be MDMA assisted psychotherapy. So MDMA with psychotherapy mm -hmm. uh, is going to be prescribable for uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and I believe possibly treatment-resistant depression and you know that's 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 amazing that's the culmination of over 30 years of, of their hard work and the reason why I bring it up is because uh, two years ago I think uh, either early 2018 or, or sometime in 2017 um, one of their staff got a message from Mr. Pine and long story short um, M uh, Maps had a, a matching thing going on for a period of time where all the donations they got and all the money they raised, um, or sorry, sorry, sorry. Maps is always in is always in uh, fundraising mode, and they had a, mm -hmm. a, a big fundraising drive. And Mr. Pine emailed them and said, "Whatever you raise um, during the fundraising drive, I will match." And so they, I think they raised four million, and so he matched that. And then I think he gave them an additional four million just because. <laughs> and 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 through this thing through this thing called the pineapple fund you should check it out because it's yeah. it basically flex yeah i know the pine i know the pineapple fund okay uh, okay yeah so this yeah. this this rich bitcoin like the guy on reddit uh, who just gave away yeah exactly <laughs> and, and and i think i think maps was the big the biggest chunk of his giveaway i think he gave okay. them eight eight million usd and uh it's it's shit like that like that's just the tip of the iceberg imagine in 20 30 40 years time when a lot more people have that kind of capacity to to act to you know to give things like that and it'll be different ways and means but it's just so amazing that you know where before these really great initiatives that weren't going to be funded by you know the, the drug companies or the political organizations yeah. for various reasons that we don't have to get into but that people can now be like you know what this is totally worthwhile you know i think it's a good way for me to spend these newfound riches or whatever and boom yeah. i do it it's just yeah it's i incredible. think uh, it's funny it's funny that you brought up the pineapple fund because i i think not too many people know about it and i think it it really shows that um you know there are, there are a lot of good people um uh, out there that just want to do 
the right thing. I I'm I'm a firm believer that in in general in general like basically people are are good <laughs> sure, in a way. Sure. Um, like if you don't fuck them up too much, there they, they generally want to do the right thing. And as you say, I I think um, yeah we will we will see that happening more and more. I, I think because yeah. uh, it. it I, I'm convinced that it will be one of the largest wealth transfers in human history, and we will have, you know, uh, new newfound, yeah, billionaires or <laughs> even trillionaires. You know, I mean, Amazon just uh, last year or whenever it was uh, hit one trillion dollars of market cap, and I think, I think the individual who will be the first uh, with the same personal wealth. Uh, I would argue that uh, he or she is already alive, and I would also argue that it, it will be a, someone Bitcoin. who owns a large amount. Of yeah, Bitcoin. probably. Yeah, and uh, I yeah, it, it's it's just again, it's back to incentives. Uh, like you said, uh, Square. They, I, I'm sure they also want to do some cool shit, but they're basically incentivized um, just from like the economic reality currently is set up in a way that you will have to pay banks a huge amount of money if you want to run a business like Square. And so they are incentivized to innovate on that front and maybe use, for some people, they do Bitcoin underneath. And just imagine a world where something like Square just cuts out all the banks and you, you can do it yourself on Bitcoin. And suddenly the 10 or 15% or whatever you have to pay, pay to the banks, you can reduce that by, by a massive amount. And so you have... a, a economic incentive to just do that and work on Bitcoin. Yeah. And I'm mentioning that because um, I think the, the research you mentioned before, it's not it's not driven by mon monetary incentives. You know, you just have this purely quote unquote uh, religious, let's let's put it that way, <laughs> incentive to um, also a medical incentive and so on to uh, to work on that and, and figure out uh, what the power of um, of those chemicals is and so on. And I think that we have all of that combined in Bitcoin. And we kind of know that things can grow without monetary incentives. Just look at BitTorrent, for example. It has no monetary incentive, but it still works. And you can still torrent pretty much everything. And the network still runs and people still use it all the time, even though we have Spotify and Netflix and everything else. But, but still, it without any monetary incentive, this thing works and people are just incentivized up by pure ideology even, or just out of their goodness of their heart. Also a little bit of self-interest because you see it when you download. But uh, without any monetary incentive, this works. And I, I have to think about BitTorrent a lot because most of the shit coins, like all the utility tokens, they could be replaced by something like a Bitcoin, uh, BitTorrent. Sorry. You don't need you don't need a monetary incentive, and what is the beauty about Bitcoin is it's the same thing but with an added monetary incentive on top. Like it's the main driver. The main driver is the monetary incentive, and as I said, uh, you know, money is the religion of the world. So uh, most people are driven by money. So I think Bitcoin is just set up to to win all the time. <laughs> <laughs> to, to quote Matt Odell. We can all agree that uh, Bitcoin is designed to pump forever. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree, man. All right, um, I could, we could talk for hours, I'm sure, but we're at uh, an hour 45 now. So uh, I really appreciate you taking the time when you've had almost no sleep to uh, just come and have a, a chat with me. 
Yeah, uh, God damn it. Marty Band is responsible for that. He didn't draft. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. We could probably talk for like three or four hours, but uh, we'll leave that for another time. Maybe I'll hit you up in a half year and we'll, we'll see where kind of both of our opinions and understanding are at, uh, are at then. Anytime. Always happy to talk about it. All right, man. And before I let you go, um, for the work that you've done and are doing and the resources you put out there, just let people know where they can uh, find them. Yeah, you can get a hold of me on, on Twitter mostly. Uh, I'm DerGG on Twitter, D-E-R-G-I-G-I. And I also have uh, DerGG.com and where I put up my Bitcoin articles and some other resources. I have Bitcoin-resources.com where you can access to some books and articles uh, and uh, podcasts and podcast episodes that I think are useful in understanding Bitcoin. And if you want to read about what, what I've learned uh, falling down the rabbit hole, I think there's no better place than going to 21lessons.com. Yeah, and I consumed, I, I, read, I read everything and listened to everything. And uh, ah, yeah. just, want, just want to shout you out because the, first of all, the 21 lessons things, if you're not into reading, it's it's all in an, like kind of like an audio book. You had someone read it, right? Yeah. Guy Swan from the Crypto Economy right, podcast. Right, right. So, so, um, so it's super accessible if you just want to download it and then listen to it whenever you have the time. But it's also, you know, the, the way that you uh, structured it was cool because you intertwined all these different quotes from Alice in Wonderland, right? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> e for each lesson, there's kind of like a quote uh, that, court, you know, that's relevant to something that happened in Alice in Wonderland, a quote in Alice in Wonderland that, that's relevant to whatever the lesson is. So it kind of makes it a little bit more entertaining and engaging and less less of just a kind of information dump. So I, yeah. I highly recommend that as a resource. And uh, Guy did a really great job of reading it. So I, I listened to it myself and I, I enjoy the audio version way more than what I found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, listening is always easier than reading, right? So. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Gigi, thanks again for coming on, man. I wish you all the best in future endeavors. And like I said, uh, look forward to a, another catch up in the not too distant future. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And if, if you if you like if we ever meet in, in real life and there's uh, a time and a place for it, I'd be very interested to uh, explore the psychedelic world. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, man, let's let's do that. You, I, I'll, I'll send you a link afterwards about some of the interviews I've done before. But uh, more than happy to uh, be a resource, turn the tables and be a resource for that stuff for you. Awesome. Sounds good. All right, brother. Take care. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye.